first of all, let me just say one thing. There are signs posted at the precinct, in all precincts. Corruption and misconduct must be reported to Eternal Affairs Bureau. All calls can be strictly confidential. Or another sign, corruption tears us apart. All members of the service have an obligation to report corruption and misconduct, completely confidential, remain totally anonymous. In 2002, I wrote a simple anonymous letter and nothing was done. I was ostracized. I had a small rubber rat placed on my desk once. Rat boy term was used many times. I had to stay neutral. I had to blend in. I had to, you know, watch myself. I mean, you know, I'm dealing with cops, guns. And so I had to play it cool. Welcome to the Stern Truth Podcast. Um, I'm here with Lance Trent. Uh, he's a former NYPD detective. Um, we're going to hear all about his story. And, you know, Lance has come forward with this very, very important story. Uh, about NYPD corruption that's ripping off uh, New York taxpayers. Um, and again, we, we have to hold people accountable. Lance is certainly doing that. So, you know, Lance, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show and, and to hear from you, you know, not only what happened, but also your background and, and why you even went into law enforcement. Obviously, you're highly decorated. Uh, I, mean, I mean, first off, tell us, you know, how, how many years were you in law enforcement? And, and, and um, again, thank you for, for, for the opportunity to allow us to even talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, my name is Detective Lance Trent, retired November 2021. I did 37 years of service and I'm happily retired. I keep myself very busy with training, physical training. And um, I'm also into big cat rescues with a couple of girls here in the neighborhood and uh, doing a community garden, and uh, which I love. It's very gratifying and uh enjoying retirement uh immensely that that's incredible so you were on the force for 37 years 37 years i was on the force yes the reason why i took this job was because my grandfather forced me to take this test and and it was he said it was the best job in the world and i didn't want to take the test on a saturday morning because I just finished the UPS shift, an overnight shift there. I was a part-time loader while I went to college. And when I got home, I was really tired from uh, doing the UPS in college all week. And I said, no, I'm not going to take the test. And he started banging on the table. You got to take the test. You have to <laughs> sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. I, he said, it's the best job in the world. I, and uh, I, I, he forced me to go out and take that test. And Thank God I passed. And um, I became a, an NYPD officer. And after 37 years, I could tell you it's the best job in the world. Well, again, it's, not, it's an absolute honor. And it's amazing. Thank you for your service. So, so uh, you know, this test, though, for the average American, we, we, don't, we don't know what, these, what this test is. Are you referring to it like the NYPD entrance exam? Is it some type of, of, of police test or something? Is that what your grandfather wanted you to take? Oh yeah, uh, NYPD was hiring, and and I, I signed up for the test, the entry test, to become a yeah. So everyone has to take this test and get a pass and score, and and then they do background check on you. They do a medical check, they do a physical check. They, it's a uh, pretty intense, 
And uh, thank God I passed and uh, I became an NYPD officer. You blew the whistle on this on this extremely important story. So t- tell us the, the who, what, why, wh- when, and how um, of this. So, I mean, what exactly in a nutshell happened at Midtown North Precinct? What, what was the crime being committed? As far as uh, it, it came down to corruption and misconduct, and it, it happened in my office, it made me feel very uncomfortable. And it just grew and grew and grew and got worse and worse and worse. It, uh, and and I, I it, it it went on for so many years. I mean, prior to two, it went on from like two thousand two all the way to the uh, two thousand nineteen, and it just grew. First of all, let me start from the beginning. Um, the community affairs office was used as a command station for a security company. And when I say a command station, I mean, there was 36 radios in their charges. And that was big. I mean, there were six power charges, uh, with six radios in each one. I mean, it took a lot of space and it was in plain view under the printer. And it wasn't covered or anything. It was just open. And it was like a systematic, uh, systemic corruption that was just overlooked by everybody. And then there was headsets. There was metal detector wands. There was uh, night vision binoculars, lapel pins, po- uh, security polo shirts, security jackets. All this stuff was in there. And what, and, and, and what this caused was the the employees of this private security company would come and go as they pleased. Um, the reason why they were able to do that was at a precinct was the the Midtown North Precinct Community Affairs Office was in the rear building. So that means a civilian non enforcement private security person could come to our office, bypass station house security, bypass the front desk, just walk down the driveway into the rear building, just go up uh, to the second floor, and there's a few offices there, and the community affairs office is in there, and, and, and they could just come into the office, drop off equipment, pick up equipment, drop off equipment, pick up equipment. And it was it, it became on steroids. I mean, it was almost a daily thing. And I felt uncomfortable. And some of the employees I didn't get along with. And, and one employee, um, when he came in the office in the morning, I have the date here. Um, it was June 19, 2018. He came to the office. Uh, he had a bag, uh, a, a secu- equipment case with him. He was dropping off metal detector wands in the case. And he came in the office. I had to leave the office. I left the office. Uh, all four community affairs officers are in the office. And when I came back, he dropped that equipment case on my desk to say, fuck you, Trent. And, and, and I come back and I see this equipment case on my desk. And that was that security uh, person dropping that equipment case on my desk. 
and it, it angered me. It really angered me. I said, oh, this son of a bitch. Hold on here. So, so, so this is this is this is pretty insane. Let me let me just make sure I'm understanding this correctly. So, we have a private security company that's unrelated to NYPD. Nothing to do with NYPD. It's just it's just a private security company run by NYPD cops, but they're doing things privately on the side, and they're using the NYPD Community Affairs Office as a way as their command station. And, and the NYPD Midtown North Precinct to be able to conduct business and pe- and and non NYPD employ people were able to gain access into an NYPD facility. Yes, and it got worse than that. The team leader of the community affairs offices. There's four of them. One is a team leader. He attached a key to the office on one of the equipment cases. Uh, and that was because if no one was in the office, they could just come in and open the locked door and drop off or pick up equipment. When he did that, and when I found out, he knew I was upset about it. He says, you got a problem with that, Lance? I says, no, I had to stay neutral. I had to stay cool. And uh, so we had officers, uh, private security guys coming in anytime they want. Uh I would come in at seven. I used to. I had to start at seven a.m. I used to get there like you know. I always got to work early, like six thirty, and I would come in. I would see. Uh, I would see a equipment case on the conference table or something like that. I says, "Wow, somebody must have came overnight to drop off stuff." One time, I was. I had to do an over. I did a NYPD overtime shift, and I I, I finished like a two in the morning. And I had to start at 7 a.m. So there was no, I had no time to go home. So I slept in the office uh, between like 2 and 6, 6.30 a.m., 2 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. And while I was sleeping, one of the private security guys came in and put the light on, saw me sleeping on the couch, I guess. And he just dropped off the equipment on the table and left. And he right away, because he must have saw me and he says, oh, let me just leave this there and just get out. And uh, yes, I remember that. Wow. 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 So, okay. So for those watching and listening here, let's explain why this is so uh, illegal. So, so NYPD police officers, if they do extra work for a company, they're supposed to report it, right? Aren't you saying if a police officer wants to do extra work for an outside company, you're supposed to report that in, and and these guys were 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 not. They were just operating out of NYPD North Precinct, and and, and the name of this company was what? Uh, D Sterling Security Company. So okay, so we have D Sterling Security Company, which has nothing to do with NYPD. They're not like authorized by NYPD, right? They're just they're just a, a private company, completely private, right? That's but, correct. Okay, okay. So we have this D Sterling. And that's it's run by who though? Um, former detective Stephen Jocko. He's the owner of the company. Okay, so let me ask you this: So if I'm if I'm a private security guy, NYPD is not doing background checks on me or anything. I'm just a private security guy. You're telling me I could just go into this because it's in the back of the building. Could they could they just walk into that building? Yes, they can. Uh, Station L security is posted inside, you know, at the entrance of the main building. This, the rear building 
is in the rear. And to enter it, you have to go through the driveway. So they could easily just walk down the driveway and enter the rear building. It's, it's unattached. It's a totally detached building. It's behind the main building. And yes, and um, it happened frequently. Um, so private okay. security people would come and go as they please. And, and they were always welcomed by the uh, community affairs officers. Okay, so okay, so explain to us what this community affairs office is. What what is community affairs? What exactly does it do? How, you know, why is it such a conflict of interest? You know, because it's illegal what's happening. Obviously, having a private security company has nothing to do with a police station being run in a police station is not legal. But but why is this community affairs office such a big deal? What what exactly is it? No, every precinct has a community, community affairs officer office. And the community affairs officer is usually an ambassador for the CEO, commanding officer. So he'll, uh, he gets, uh, they get phone calls from, uh, you know, uh, community board meetings and uh, members, uh, businesses, corporations, and uh, complaints. Um, they're like the ambassador. Uh, if somebody has a complaint, they always, uh, they'll call the community affairs officer. If there's a condition going on, you know, sidewalks being blocked because of a store who's got too much stuff outside, you know, things like that. Um, many things. Uh, you, uh, the community affairs officer will defuse things, correct things, and, uh, and just uh, represent the precinct. Okay, so so NYPD obviously is a is a police force, and they have to interact with the community itself. So you're saying the community affairs office is is like this bridge or this gateway, so so the NYPD can communicate with the public, and the public can communicate with NYPD. Is that is that right? Okay, so we have this community affairs office that's that's you know where people are making complaints and this and that. Like, like, can I can I get something as a result of that by hiring D Sterling? Does that give me extra NYPD, you know, protection or something? Very possible. Yes, special privileges. That's a can that's a big deal. Happen. Okay, explain that to me. Explain explain special privileges. If there's like a job at Saks Fifth Avenue and D Sterling Security has the job. And he has the outside or inside. Sometimes, you know, he will call community affairs and extra barriers and extra uniform presence if it's available. And uh, and they'll do their best to provide that. Whoa. It's like a special privilege. But they'll also do it for other companies, too. Um, I'm not just saying. But, yeah, as far as D-Sterling security, I think they would go out of their way to make sure they got what they asked for. When did you first notice this? And, and did you report it? Uh, yes. Around 2002, you know, after 9-11, uh, 2002, the office, the office was being used as a command station without the electronics. Uh, private security people, uh, non-law enforcement, full civilians would come and go before a job or after a job to, uh, pick up the Pelpins or pick up their paychecks or change. They would go from one job to another and they had to change into a suit. 
and they would change in the office. It was like a locker room. And, and then it, it became a little unbearable. And I did write a letter to IAB. There, first of all, let me just say one thing. There are signs posted at the precinct, in all precincts. Corruption and misconduct must be reported to Internal Affairs Bureau. All calls can be strictly confidential. Or another sign, corruption tears us apart. All members of the service have an obligation to report corruption and misconduct, completely confidential, remain totally anonymous. So I wrote a little letter saying there was a little security uh, business going on in the office. Uh, I think uh, the owner got called in and it seemed like he got a pass, which the owner bragged that he outthinked IAB and he outsmarted them. And uh, the security business just grew and grew and grew. And once the radios came in and the metal detector wand and the uh, night vision binoculars and the equipment cases and shirts and jackets, and lapel pins, it just got out of control. It grew. It grew to the point where it, it, it got really, really bad. How hard was it to, to, to actually report this? And, and did you try reporting it again? I know you said you should report this in 2002. But, you know, what, what actions were, were taken? Um, was there any backlash out of that? Because they probably thought it was you, right? Uh, yes. So... Um, yeah, I was ostracized. Um, I had a, I, I had a small rubber rat placed on my desk once. Um, rat boy term was used many times. Uh, I was passed over seven times to be the community affairs officer. The next one that was next slot that was available. Uh, normally in a precinct, uh, the crime prevention officer, when if there's an opening in the community affairs. Uh, in their precinct, the crime prevention officer usually uh, 99 times out of 100 would become the next community affairs officer. But I was passed over seven times. I had the most seniority. I had more contacts. I was a big liaison. Uh, I was very good. And, um, but I never became a community affairs officer. Uh, I wasn't allowed to use the office vehicle. Um, one time, uh, I think in 2017, uh, out of 13 precincts in Manhattan South, they needed two bodies to work the uh, community affair, uh, the West Indian Day Parade. And, um, and they just needed two bodies out of like maybe 50 guys in, in all 13 precincts in Manhattan South. And uh, I was chosen to go work the West Indian Day Parade. I'm not complaining that I had to do it, but I had the most seniority and there was no way I should have been selected to do that. So, and then I was sent to a lot of shitty details in uniform. Um, and I had a, yeah. So I, I was ostracized quite a bit, but um, I stuck it out. I did it. And I became a, a crime prevention specialist and, um, and I hung around. Um, I retired in 2021 and I waited till I retired before the story came out. And this is just a story. 
I got nothing against private security. I love private security guys and companies and everything. And I got nothing against cops working private security. But using the office as a command station at the level that they did it, it got ridiculous. As far as me, did I ever report this a second time? In 2002, I wrote a simple anonymous letter and nothing was done. As far as me reporting it a second time, because it grew and it got worse and worse, I had to protect myself. I didn't want to retire yet. I had a divorce and I had a, I had a you know, part partial of my pay, uh, pension goes to my ex-wife and I was avoiding that. I don't know why I stayed on so long. Maybe I should have retired earlier, but I never reported it a second time. I had to stay neutral. I had to blend in. I had to, you know, watch myself. I mean, you know, I'm dealing with cops, guns. And so I had to play it cool. And so I never reported a second time. And plus internal affairs, you know, I just didn't feel good with them because, um, you know, there's a case in Queens where a whistleblower NYPD cop was probed by internal affairs. Uh, he uh, he whistleblowed and he was being uh, he was kind of being uh, looked at, punished, and he had to get a lawyer and he was looking like the bad guy. So I didn't want it. I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to do my job, uh, try to enjoy as much as I can. And, and and that was it. So you're saying that you retired, and now it, it, it's 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 um, still relevant today, and, and needs to come out. People need to know about it. And you're you're out of the because you're saying that internal affairs was targeting people. So now you're you're outside of their of their of their optic of being able to to, to target you, right? They, so now you're right. Okay, I'm protected. So so Lance, because. IAB is targeting, uh, you know, worthy. And you said before that there were signs where you had to, where off telling officers in in the in the NYPD precinct to report um, any type of corruption. Was it was it was that reporting done specifically to Internal Affairs? For instance, was it, was if you had a problem to report corruption, is Internal Affairs where you had to go, or was there another place you could go as well? No, there was no other place. It was just internal affairs. They gave you phone numbers, emails, remain anonymous, and stated you have an obligation to report corruption and misconduct. Yeah, so so Lance, is this a catch-and-kill type operation by internal affairs for them to capture stories or whistleblowing before it hits the media, for them to address the issue at hand, take care of it, and then you know make it go quiet? Is that what internal affairs was was basically doing? Absolutely, yes. I mean, they want you to uh, report corruption and misconduct, and yeah, they want to they want to correct the condition and punish the offenders, and before it gets to the media and before it gets worse. Yes, Lance. So, are, are the offenders that you're talking about are they the whistleblowers or are the offenders? The, the, the corrupt police officers. Do you see what I'm saying? Is, is internal affairs going after the whistleblowers or are they going after the cops? Because it seems to me that you're reporting this to internal affairs and yet this operation grew in, in time, inside Midtown North Precinct. So internal affairs didn't do anything, but they, they got it. They got the story quiet for a number of years. Yeah. Um, 
the offenders are cops who do misconduct or corruption. There are many ways to do corruption and, or, and misconduct. Um, as those are the offenders. Are the whistleblower offenders? Uh, technically, no. But if you, uh, but in several cases, the whistleblowers were kind of punished themselves. Uh, uh, it's like the case I, I stated before, uh, some whistleblower NYPD sergeant uh, reported um, uh, cops taking bribes from karaoke bars in Queens. And um, he reported it. And uh, he uh, then he started getting uh, looked at and getting hassled. And he had to get a lawyer to protect himself. And he called it a systemic corruption in the precinct, which was overlooked. Just like the command, uh, private security command station in Midtown North Precinct Community Affairs Office, it was totally overlooked by supervisors uh, in my office daily. The radios in plain view. Uh, I mean, 36 radios in their charges. I mean, that's not a little thing you can't overlook. It was not hidden. It was underneath the office printer, plugged in. And one time, uh, one of the charging strips, which carries six radios, was on top of the printer for a week and a half. I got pictures of everything. And we got bosses of the precinct and visiting bosses from elsewhere coming to the precinct and, and nobody really, no fear at all. Just no fear at all. It just so, went on and on and on. So is internal affairs operating then at a level of what doing what internal affairs is supposed to do? Cause you're saying there are people are overlooking this stuff, but it seems to me that it's a little more than overlooking. It said, it sounds like this is intentional overlooking you know, really turn you know blind eye to, to what's happening. You know, was it intentional? Uh, intentionally overlooking it. Yes, definitely. You, if you're in my office, especially if you come to my office frequently, there's no way you cannot see these radios. I sent pictures to you. I sent you a video of the office, and you could see this big uh, radio. Uh, charging station underneath the printer in plain view cannot be overlooked. The wands, the metal detector wands, and the night vision binoculars were in a short file cabinet uh, behind the desk of the community affairs officers, the team leader and his partner. And those you couldn't see in plain view. The lapel pins were in a desk, and the jackets and polo shirts were in a file cabinet, uh, a locker in 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 the uh training room and um those those were not in plain view but uh yeah it was definitely uh, overlooked and as far as internal affairs they're not at the precinct they only come to the precinct when they're looking for somebody or if they have a, an investigation on one particular cop or several cops but each precinct has an, an integrity control officer and they're responsible for making sure everything's on the up and up and clean and nothing going on. And we have, you know, Midtown North Precinct had an integrity control officer, to usually the rank of lieutenant. And um, he, uh, I guess nothing was done. It was just overlooked. 
I think the integrity control officer of Midtown Oak Cruiser is more concerned about the parking on the block uh, for cop cars, you know, private cop, you know, uh, Midtown North Precinct uh, cops who parked their personal cars on the block and he just wanted to make sure nobody else was parking there. I mean, that was a big concern of his. But as far as um, the radios, yeah, it was overlooked. So uh, you being a whistleblower now, I mean, definitely took courage for you to, to come forward with this story. Um, I, I mean, you Internal affairs definitely again it seems like a little more than overlooking, and, and it's intentional, you know. But now you as a whistleblower, I mean, I mean, what is that like? There, there's, there's a lot more. And, but, um, but, but how does it feel, Lance, to be in your spot? I mean, I know there's a lot more, and, and this is, believe me, a corrupt. This type of corruption is like an onion. It just there's layers and layers and layers of corruption here. But but how does it feel to be blowing the whistle on this on these guys who can who can really cause you cause you harm? Well, something inside me told just I just had to do it, you know. Uh, you know, I could be black. I'm definitely blackballed, and all my you know by friends or you know. Everyone I know who's a cop is not going to want to talk to me again. I just know that. But uh, true friends will stick together. But I just had to do this, and uh, and I did it. So uh, as far as retaliation or uh, they're going to get back at me, I mean, you know, I could take care of myself, and I'll deal with it as I have to, um, and we'll see what happens. As far as proof, I mean, I got pictures and video of everything that I'm saying. So uh, there's nothing, you know, I'm truthful. Yeah. So, Lance, you're, you're in this office. You're seeing the radios, the, the, the wands, people changing in, in the, like, like the office is a locker room going to private security jo- you know, jobs. Um, you know, you're seeing this corruption take place. How many other people saw what you saw? And for how many years, and, and obviously nothing was done, you're the one speaking out. How many others out there are there that know what you know? Um, and for how long do they, do they know it for? Oh, at least 20 to 25 uh, officers, you know, NYPD, and members of service, different ranks, at least 25 who worked at the precinct, who were in the office frequently. Um and yeah, and it went on for many years, uh, from 2002 all the way to the present. Um, but the radios were taken out of the precinct community affairs office uh, in October 2019 um, for some reason. And I think the reason was, I think it was a big IAB meeting with commanding officers captains and above and i think the chief of iab was telling all the uh captains and above at this big iab meeting that there will be stings and setups for cops to see if they're good or bad like leaving drugs or money in the back of a patrol car and other ways and and uh it kind of put a i think a scare in some of the uh, in many of the uh captains and above and uh, for some reason, after that meeting, 
the radios disappeared. The radios slowly disappeared. You know, I think they just left six radios instead of 36 radios in the office for another couple of weeks. And then eventually they were gone too. And so that's like October 2019, the radios were taken out of the office. So you said something about about drugs being being back in the back of a car, and so, I mean, explain more about that. What, what they were trying to what type of corruption were they trying to root out? Uh, they were trying to uh, plants. They were going to do plants, plant, plant desirable things in cops' faces to see if they do the right thing and turn it in and voucher it at the precinct instead of you know looking around and put it in their pocket, things like that. And I think I don't have exact, I don't know exactly what's said at this meeting, but I think it was more intense where they were going to be checking everybody, uh, even higher up. They were going to do some pretty uh, dramatic things to uh, see if cops do the right thing. And maybe they were going to do more house ins- inspections and, you know, be at the precincts more often and, 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 doing these plants at the precinct. So I guess if, if IAB is going to be at Midtown North precinct and, you know, I think it's best we get rid of the radios in case they see one of the private security guys of these throwing security going through the driveway to drop off equipment. IAB might say, what the fuck is this guy? Who are you? Oh, I'm just dropping off some equipment, security equipment. Who's that? I mean, that would have, that would have ended everything in a bad way. So, uh, yeah, the radios disappeared after that. Um, Lance, why did you choose to report this, this issue to Tactical Rabbit uh, in, in particular? I mean, there's a lot of places you could have gone to report it. You know, why did you go to Tactical Rabbit? The reason why I went to Tactical Rabbit is because they're the best private intelligence company in the world. And they took a liking to this case, this story. And they they wanted it. So I was in good hands and I feel like I'm in great hands. I trust Tactical Rabbit. No, th- thank you very much. Um, can, can you explain your experience in, in working with Tactical Rabbit compared to working with Internal Affairs and how long it took? How, how, what was your experience like in working with Tactical Rabbit? Uh, very good very promising, very encouraging. The tactical rabbit sent out a unredacted report with all the photos, not all, but some good photos that I sent tactical rabbit with descriptions of each photo, what was going on as far as a private security company um, being run out of the Midtown North Precinct Community Affairs Office. He sent out an unredacted report. I don't know how they sent it out, Twitter, and boy, it circulated. It got out there. And uh, and then uh, after that, we, we were working together. And uh, within a year, we got into a, we got into um, Inside a Magazine article on it. And now the momentum is going, and there are so many other things happening now. So uh, very positive experience. Uh, since uh, I contacted Tactical Rabbit, but immediately contacted after the, I immediately contacted Tactical Rabbit, that unredacted report was pretty good. And then um, that was a warning sign to everyone. 
And uh, I just hope everybody, uh, I know a lot, everyone, I, I know a lot of people, sorry, it's circulated. And now with the uh, Insider Magazine uh, article, that was fantastic the way it got through. And uh, that got circulated pretty heavily also. And uh, now we're doing this podcast and now we've got a lot of other things coming on. Uh, the momentum is uh, definitely going fast. One, how does it feel to be a whistleblower and what's your message to other whistleblowers? Well, being a whistleblower, you're going to lose friends, first of all. And if you're active, if you're still an active on your job and you blow the whistle, you're going to suffer problems, not just from cops, but even from the organization that you work for. You think they're going to reward you. They're not. They're going to punish you and they're going to look down upon you. So you got to watch your ass. You really do. Being a whistleblower is not easy. Not easy. Uh, as far as Tactical Rabbit, um, you feel support. You definitely feel support. You feel safe. You feel, you feel like you're in good hands and, you, and good things are going to happen. So your message to, to, to whistleblowers out there, I mean, what, what would you say to other, other people out there uh, who, who, are, who are on the edge of doing the right thing, but they haven't quite done it yet? What, 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 what's your message to the world? And to, I mean, to people who want to do the right thing, but need, need that little ounce of courage to do so. Well, if you've got something seriously bothering you, that you know something is wrong, and this thing that's bothering you is not going away. And you feel like you have reached the point where you can't take it anymore. And you want to take action. And you want to report it and be safe about it. Report it outside the firm you work for. And Tactical Rabbit is the place to go to. They're number one. They're the best in the world. Thanks. Do you have anything else you want to add? What, what I found uh, really amusing was uh, they put a picture of the owner of the security company's face on a sign and posted it at the exterior side of the entrance door to the community affairs office. So when you, if the door is closed and you're going to see, you're going to see the uh, retired detective Steve Jocko's face and a sign that says, welcome to the Detective Stephen Jocko office, Comm commemorative. Uh, yeah, I, I found that pretty amusing. Uh, they really, uh, that was kind of funny. And then the one time, uh, I think this was uh, June 21st, 2018, at two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the commanding officer was in the office to meet Stephen Jocko for lunch. The owner show, shows up and he had 18 radios with him to return to their chargers. So he's he comes in the office, says hello, and he's putting the radios in the chargers under the printer in front of the commanding officer. The commanding officer says, wow, he's, he, he said, there are three units in this office now, community affairs, crime prevention, and de-sterling security. Overlook systemic corruption. Nothing happened. What am I going to do? Well, wait, 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 certainly what you're doing now is just blowing the whistle on all these people. Uh, now let's uh, ensure uh, they're held accountable. So, uh, but thank you for coming on uh, the show. It's an absolute honor, Lance. Thank you. Detective Lance. Trent. Thank you. 
I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, sir.